This episode of the EdTech Podcast is sponsored by Learnosity. Learnosity is the global leader in assessment solutions. Serving over 700 customers and more than 40 million learners, its mission is to advance education and learning worldwide with best-in-class technology. Learnosity's specialised expertise and pre-built assessment APIs make it easy for modern learning platforms to quickly launch fully featured products, scale on demand and always meet fast-evolving market needs. Visit learnosity.com today to discover how. This episode is sponsored by Worktrip. Worktrip is a curated and quality-vetted community marketplace for offsites, featuring specialist coaches, facilitators, inspiring speakers, relevant venues and experiences. Do you want to make team offsites more impactful and less of an admin headache? At Worktrip, our mission is to raise the value of your team offsites so that you can retain and develop your top talent and high-performance culture. We help companies to set goals for their offsites, discover and book suppliers, share information with their teams and measure impact. Chat to us now at www.worktrip.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the EdTech Podcast, where our mission is to improve the dialogue between Ed and Tech for better innovation and impact. A big shout out to Learnosity for sponsoring this week's episode. Before we get into our feature interview, don't forget some events coming up. EduTech Europe is in Amsterdam on the 5th and 6th of October and EdTech Next Summit is on the 24th to 26th of October in Germany. And great to see Bright Eye's latest work on learning for the over 50s, which is such an important theme as we look at productivity and the future of work in the Western world, especially. We've also got future episodes coming up with a neurodiversity advisor of Lego and the founder of Sharesy on why you should have diversity in your leadership team to strengthen your position against risk and how to manage rising costs in school by renting your shareable spaces within the community. But now it's the moment you've all been waiting for and it's a great pleasure to me as Laura Wanier is an amazing, amazing engine of purposeful activity in the edtech space and in the company you will have no doubt heard so much about, Go Student. For me, this is a big inspiration, so headphones on and listen in. Here we go. Okay, so um, I am really excited. I'm joined today by Laura Wanier. Thanks a lot, Sophie. Thank you for the invitation. Now, I'm really excited because we met very briefly at EdTechX this year, and I know that you jumped on stage because you uh, won an award on behalf of Go Student. I was really excited to get the chance to meet, and finally, we've got some time in the diary to sit down and, and do a recording. Just for our listeners, a little bit of background on Laura and then on Go Student. Laura is the Chief Growth Officer at the online tutoring platform GoStudent, which, as many of our listeners will know, was recently valued at 3 billion euros. Laura joined GoStudent in 2018 as the company's second full-time employee, which you know gives you a wonderful vantage point on how the company has grown and you joined to develop the commercial strategy. She built from scratch a scalable customer acquisition machine and grew the marketing and sales teams from naught to 250 employees. And in 2020, Laura started GoStudent's international expansion. She launched the French market and created a playbook that enabled the scale up to further expand to 15 countries within a year, which is quite astonishing 
And Laura is now leading branding, marketing, partnerships and international expansion. And we can talk as well a little bit about uh, the Belgian initiative Syndicate One, which is, um, I guess, your uh, way of bringing together the ecosystem in terms of early stage tech, in terms of investing, sharing knowledge and connecting. Um, and just very quickly, a little bit about Go Student, and then we'll we'll get into some conversation. So, unless uh, you know anyone's been living under a rock, most people listening will know about Go Student. But um, Go Student was founded in 2016. Um, uh, Go Student's mission is to build the number one global school. Uh, it's one of the world leading online tutoring providers, um, and the company was founded in Vienna in 2016 by Felix Oswald. I'll probably uh, pronounce that incorrectly as well. And Greg, Gregor Muller, and is, in, is operational in 23 markets. Um, and Go Student provides paid one to one video based tuition to primary, secondary, and college age students in 30 plus subjects and uh, using a membership model. So um, that's the background. So Laura, just to kick off, um, how are you today and what's happening in your world today and this week? Well, very good. Uh, I mean, we are all in the summer mood, right? So like the, the sun is shining, so that's always helping to get the energy back. So indeed, the past few months have been quite ethic. Uh, that's what's happening, I think, uh, when you join a hyper-growth company. Um, we are also like, as the entire, like I would say, startup ecosystem, uh, also like switching a bit our mindset uh, from hyper-growth to also more profitability and efficiencies, which is actually an amazing, actually, um, I would say like homework uh, for the for the company. Uh, so yeah, a lot of things going on, but uh, always very positive. Yeah, I mean that's the sense I get from you is that you you sort of you sort of like bounce around. You have this mad energy. So um, yeah, I'm I know that with people like that, everyone around them sort of benefits, and it becomes like a um, yeah almost contagious, infectious energy. So that's that's great to see. You know, in terms of our chat today, we'll do some bits about Go Student as an edtech business, but also about your educational offering as well. My first question I put here. Go Student experienced extraordinary growth and success to date. Um, obviously, you were a hugely instrumental part of that as the second full-time employee. Um, but I'm really keen to know, from your perspective, what were the other factors in the Go Student success story? So, for example, was it that it was the right moment in time? Was it that the investment allowed for sort of this hyper growth? Was it the team and the leadership? In your In your eyes, what was the mix of how all that came together? So as you say, it's always a mix. Uh, so there is not like I would say one uh, perfect recipe. Uh, that's uh, also like uh, depending on the environment and the people around. But I would say for me, first of all, I mean these are the founders and the leadership team. Uh, so when I joined Go Student, uh, it was just uh, two like two founders who had like a few students working for them and a few freelancers developing the product. And what I could see is like how complementary they were, how ambitious uh, and how they actually found a problem that they wanted to solve. Uh, and uh, that was for me actually the first actually signal that this company would be successful. The second part was a lot around execution. Uh, so at the beginning, you know, you are very hands-on. Uh, I always say that I got probably uh, 30 jobs uh, at Go Student. Uh, so going from being the CRM manager to a sales team lead to also like working on the tutor recruitment team, also with customer success and so on that also really like all of us we were really like hands-on in the business listening to call being ourselves like sometimes Felix and Gregor were themselves the tutors um, for the students so that really enabled us to understand the market understand also the job of our employees and help uh, help them to actually uh, do their job I would say something that was also of course an, an accelerator was uh, COVID 
So um, before actually the pandemic, we we were actually trying the main role, and that's the reason why we actually um, built a sales team was to convince parents that tutoring can be done online. Uh, at that time, we had more than thirty percent actually of the the prospect that we had on the phone who even refused to have a free trial session with one of our tutor because the tutoring was online. So for them, it was actually unmanageable. So they had to explain. They had to say, "No, we the the person, the tutor needs to come to my." kids place need to sit next to my kid and so on and uh, of course with the pandemic this accelerated everything so the our sales team was not there to actually convince that it had to be online because the parents had to do it however what happened also there at the beginning is that uh, the experience of online tutoring was not good so uh, online tutoring at the beginning was actually something that was in existence so people didn't want to believe in it then it became actually something a must have but then also kind of a bad uh, a negative connotation because the experience at the beginning was not good so yeah. we had to convince that actually one on one online tutoring is a completely different experience that a one to many with a group a class of 25 30 students with teachers were often actually not trained or not used to actually do online so that's where we had to also convince the parents uh, of the benefits uh, of online tutoring and then also overall i would say the entire investment industry so tech was always kind of a, an industry that was not uh, i would say um, i would say overfunded uh, so if we compare for example the number of unicorns in finance versus edtech i mean we had 300 plus unicorns in finance we had 30 uh, in edtech and i would say that this uh, entire like also pandemic kind of uh, shaped a bit that industry the mindset also of investors because they saw that something was coming education was one of the market i would say the industry that was not well digitalized uh, even with certain basics mm. uh, and uh, yeah and that's how I would say that these are a few different uh, factors but there is yeah many more but those are a few that I would like to highlight. Well one of the things I was musing on was the the, the kind of policy change so obviously online tutoring was sort of that this big focus in Chinese investment and obviously they had this policy change and you know some of that talent and investment was sort of spread elsewhere did that have any effect or not so much? Not really. So, of course, like uh, when we heard about the news, I mean, what I would say one question that we had is like, okay, what's going to happen with those Chinese companies? Are are they going to be like now much more involved in Europe and trying to also like conquer that market? Because back in the days we were like, you know, looking at VipKit, for example, uh, they also had to shut down a big part of the the business because they were relying on um, the Americans tutors. And yeah. Uh, yeah, this was also like a part of the policy in China, but we actually didn't feel the impact. Um, so yeah, so for us, I would say no direct impact. Yeah. And then just at the beginning, you were talking about, you know, the, the signals that showed you that this was going to be a high growth company. What was the story behind um, the founders and how you came to meet them? And, you know, what was their background? And then how did you meet and come together? So actually, they have quite an interesting story. So Felix and Gregor actually know each other from uh, partying during high school time, I would say. So they are really good friends. Um, Felix uh, was actually always very... um, attracted by mathematics so he actually uh, at the age of 14 he went to university uh, as a kind of a hobby to follow some mathematics classes Um, he was very well actually like inspired by his grandfather who also uh, taught him how to play chess Uh, he was also kind of inspiring to always learn more and since he was a bit bored at school that was kind of a yeah they they give him that opportunity so at the age of 18 he actually graduated from his bachelor in mathematics at the university wow 
And after that, he went to Cambridge for uh, his master and also to in Zurich. And uh, at that time, his little brother, who was still in high school, had a bit of difficulties in mathematics. And uh, he was actually chatting with his brother via WhatsApp to get support. And then quickly, he also um, helped his, the entire classroom of his little brother uh, via WhatsApp uh, with all those mathematics questions. And that's where he realized that there was a problem that students needed actually support, easy uh, and fast uh, support for, for their homework. And uh, he contacted his, uh, his best friend at the time, so Grigor, who also founded already a small business. So he already had this entrepreneurial spirit. And together, they actually built a homework chat. So that was the first product of GoStudent. So they contacted an agency to develop the mobile application that would enable to connect the students and the tutors. Tutors were many university students uh, to help them with their homework. And the tutors at that time would receive a few cents per questions answer uh, within the chat. But then what they realized is that yeah, the product itself, I mean, was a nice product, but the, the purchasing power of the students uh, was not there. Also, they would not right. spend probably, uh, you know, 10 euros per month to actually get this uh, homework support. And the parents would maybe also not see the, the strong added value uh, for it. And But what they realized by doing a bit of research with the students is that they would love to also have one-on-one actually tutoring. And doing it online would enable to have a more flexibility, access to really like strong teachers, even if the student is based in the countryside, as we can have, you know, in Austria, also in uh, Germany at that time, because we're only in the Dach region. Uh, when you live in the countryside, uh, all the strong students, they went to university in the cities, and therefore you might not have the support. And therefore, so they did this online tutoring. And uh, I joined actually the company when the product for so the online classroom was ready and we had to start selling it uh, to parents. So we were not really making revenue at that time when I joined, but uh, Headhunter uh, were actually looking for head of sales and marketing. And with my background at Google, so at Google, I was actually uh, selling uh, to companies performance marketing solution. Uh, so the all Google search and the Google YouTube and display environment. And that's why it was a good mix. Uh, I had the sales experience and the marketing experience. And that's why I joined to really like uh, make GoStudent known uh, across the world. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I, I actually really love the the WhatsApp element of that thread through GoStudent story. And if I understand correctly, in some elements that's still used as a communication device between tutors and parents. Is that right? Exactly. So back in the days, so we realized that WhatsApp is actually a very convenient tool. Yeah. Uh, and tutoring is also something very emotional, right? Uh, so you actually want to have a close connection with the tutor. The kid wants to have also a close connection with the tutor and so on. And we realized that WhatsApp in Europe and back in the days in DAR was actually the most used communication system. And we didn't have at the time the money, neither the brand, um, the, the, the brand uh, awareness to actually build a new communication system. Nobody would download it. It would be also far too complex. So we decided to actually start with WhatsApp right away. And that created uh, much more like trust and intimacy with the parents, first of all. And second, it was a tool that was there that was easy to use uh, and that everyone knew. Why I find that so brilliant. So I'm, I'm an avid WhatsApper, um, probably to my shame. But um, why I love it is because back in the day, so when I think about starting this podcast six years ago, a lot of the big ed tech ideas were around this sort of triangulation of parents students and teachers in these communication platforms that was like the the golden idea but obviously every system like that has friction and and actually whatsapp is a tool on your phone and 
you know, as long as the safeguarding elements of those younger people are sorted, like I can totally see how that's completely intuitive. So I just think it's, you know, it's a smart move because it's, it's, it's there and people are using it. Exactly. And I think that one, actually the most important thing that we need to do when we build a service or a product is to make it as easy as possible. And when we are using the tools that already parents and the, the general users are already using, that always make things easier to adopt. Definitely. So I've got here, tell us a bit more about the membership model and your view on network effects. So I could see like some of the playbook and spreading across multiple markets in one year is really incredible. So, you know, what what does that look like when you break it down? Yeah. So when we look at the membership, so for us at GoStudent, we always, you know, believe that tutoring is a long-term game. So uh in the like in certain markets in Europe, like Germany, France, uh, Austria, it's still very linked to a problem. So you have actually a kid who comes back from school with a bad grade in mathematics, and then you have a bit this alert at home, and the parent is looking for a tutor to actually help the kid for the next test, and then hoping that everything will go uh, okay for for the future. And for us, we've always said that for us, tutoring is a bit like sport. So you you don't get you don't run a marathon from one day to another. It's a long term gain. It's also something that you you create a habit and that's why you start liking it and uh, it's not only for people who have difficulties it's not on, sport is not only for people who want to lose weight sport is actually something that enables you to create confidence because you feel better in your skin uh, because you also like from a mindset perspective the, the sport has always been something that is good and that's where we always wanted to do with tutoring is to show to parents to kids that you should not be ashamed first of all of tutoring and that tutoring is for every kid that they have or not problem at school and tutoring is there to develop their full potential and that's why we started more with this membership mindset like when you go for example to a to to a gym and you you get a, a sport a, a membership you never go just for four sessions you ask for half a year one year because you also know that at some time it would be hard you would not be motivated and so on but if you if you are like committed to it it will be better so that was for us the main reason of this uh, membership then when we look at network so of course it's a bit like uh, you know with airbnb the more uh, like the more houses the more uh, option you have uh, as a as a traveler the more willing you will be to go to that platform because you know that there will be a house that that fits perfectly your need uh, for your holiday and that's a bit the same concept at go students so the more tutors we have the different personalities different uh, interests, different strength, uh, locations where they are based and so on, the more we can actually offer a wider choice to our users. And one actually strong belief that we have at GoStudent is that every student is unique and should be the teacher. And of course, in the current system, the public system, it's impossible to have one teacher for every kid. Uh, that's why we often have one teacher teacher for 25 kids also. But that also means that the teacher needs to adapt his learning style to the average classroom and often also not really adapting to the kid, but more to his own way of teaching. And uh, with this one-on-one online tutoring, what you enable is that to really understand the need of the kid, the personality of the kid, is learning style, and to match it with the right tutor. And the more tutor we have, the higher likelihood to find the right match. And how, how does that match happen? Is that intelligently matched through the platform? or Because that, like you say, that's quite a human... I'm just thinking with my own... Um, yeah, with coaches and facilitators as well, that's like, again, a very human connection. So how do you do that matching process? 
So at Gustian, we are what we call a managed marketplace. So we never wanted to just be like a self-service uh, tool where you have a list of 30 filters and then based on that, you can actually find the right fit. So for us, we always have a call with every prospect who wants to have a trial session to understand the need of the kid, uh, the interest of the kid. So Things sometimes about, you know, what are his hobbies? Is he like playing football or like playing tennis? Uh, is he more like um, a personality that is more shy uh, or is he someone more extrovert? Does he need more someone who is kind of going to motivate him to study and to kind of show him how fun it can be to study? Almost someone who is going to build a structure around his work. Uh, so that really depending actually a bit on the problem of the kid and what the parent wanted. And then we knew the tutor. So our, our team of uh, consultants, uh, of sales are actually very close to all our tutors. So they know them based on, um, I would say, like criteria. So they have also a list of filters and so on, but they're also often on the phone with our tutors mm -hmm. because when they organize a trial session, they're going to call the tutor saying, hey, I have this kid, uh, amazing. This is the story about that kid. That's what I suggest that you do with him during the call. So they also get to know the tutors a bit better for having this match. Uh, so today it's not fully automized. Uh, there is a big human component for also us to better learn what is actually this match about. But we are already experimenting more and more also a bit with AI. So we actually use a tool to assess also like, um, it's like 30 points actually on the face of the student and the tutor. And we were comparing uh, how emotions are actually impacting each other. So a bit this empathy topic. So when the teacher is smiling, is the kid smiling, for example? or how could we feel the stress uh, or like if the kid was bored and so on. And this, we believe that in the future could also help us better to identify the perfect match uh, between also the student and the tutor. Yeah, I remember seeing a presentation on that kind of technology in Beijing. And, um, you know, I guess it's like, yeah, you want to find that match rather than like, you know, necessarily punish the student or the tutor for you know because we all have these sort of um well in the UK you might call it like wretched <laughs> resting bitch face but you know like you just have these moments when you're sort of um thinking and you, your emotions aren't necessarily on the surface um but yeah I love the idea of like this symbiosis between the two people that are involved is is, is a nice idea and I mean just with the market vex thing and thinking about the whatsapp um how do you manage any potential disintermediation is that does that just come down to the SLA you have with tutors so for example if they're communicating what stops them from going off and like we saw in the fallout of the Chinese policy change people started going right let's just go off and do this together anyway yeah, so we try also so for the protection also of the kid to be as involved as possible in the entire actually relationship of the kid and the tutor. So in some WhatsApp group, for example, we have our advisors who are also part of it to see a bit what is happening. Uh, also to advise also when the parent needs to have a, a different tutor or whatever. So we are never having just, it's not that our role is to do the matching and then we, we leave. It's really we are we have consultant, we are um, advisor of the parent and the kid, and we are trying to figure out, okay, what's the best support for the kid? And sometimes it can be changing the tutor or getting a tutor, um, an additional tutor for an additional subject and so on. Oh, brilliant. That's great. I love that. I've got here, in 2020, the Go student team quadrupled from working out of the basement of a sailing school previously to a modern office to quadrupling to more than 160 employees. So, how did the team and, you know, you, you're being one of those um, original members manage to stick to the original vision and culture during this rapid expansion? So something that probably a lot of people listening are mm -hmm. grappling with as we speak. 
So actually one uh, big topic that we had, so when we actually moved to the new office, at uh, that time, I think we were about like 50 employees or so. I gave the task to our new peer manager at that time to interview Felix Gregor, our head of HR and myself, to understand what are go student values. So it was not about sitting in the room and actually like, you know, defining, okay, what do we care about and so on. I told her, just interview us and figure out what we are saying. Why are we at Go Student? What do we care about? What is our vision? What is also our personality and how we actually uh, like uh, impacting the company? And based on that, she actually highlighted five values. Uh, one of them being um, uh, work hard, play hard, for example, be bold. Uh, in Go Student, we trust. So these were actually some of the values that we we always kind of communicated within the company. So in every office where you go, uh, you can see uh, posters, for example, on the walls with those values. We also reuse them, for example, in Slack messages, uh, you know, like a, a, a funny example, for example, if there is a pizza Friday and then there is a few leftovers, you will have someone who will write pizza left, uh, like uh, be, uh, be fast or be last. <laughs> That's one of our values. Or if we have to communicate uh, something around like that is very important for the co- for the company, if we had to maybe, you know, let go a very important uh, employee or whatever. And we explain the reason why we actually had to let go, for example, this employee uh, in Go Student We Trust. We, we finished the message with In Go Student We Trust, which actually bring this kind of uh, community feeling that we are all in there together and there is a reason why a decision that is maybe a bit unpopular or whatever or difficult to take has been taken mm-hmm. uh, so that was the first phase the second phase was a lot around onboarding so every people who start at go student go through an onboarding journey so it's a one day of um global immersion so in whatever the department you join you get you get the same onboarding than anyone else uh, to learn about the history of go student what happened in the past what is our vision what are our values what are the departments doing how do they work with each other and so on and then they go into the onboarding for the, the specific department but that really enables also the company to yeah to be to understand what is our mission and to be stick into one same mission uh, yeah. within the number one global school yeah, I really like that as well, because, you know, everyone knows that you have to go through the task in the beginning of a company and you write down your values. But actually, yeah, I love the idea of like just having a dialogue with someone and they can like synthesize what you're actually saying. It's a really nice idea. Really good. And it's also a bit linked to the brand strategy. So it's only now, for example, in the 2022 <laughs> that we are actually writing down our brand strategy, because at the end of the day, the brand is something that you don't build based on the white sheet, right? It's things that evolved over time, uh, decisions that were made, direction that were taken. And uh, and then now we start actually writing it black on white because we need it in order to ensure that everyone is aligned with our brand strategy, with our DNA. Also, when we start working with agencies or so on, then we can kind of hand over this playbook of mm-hmm. this is for student, this is what we value, this is our mission, uh, this is our story. Um, but yeah, so this is not something that you do at the early days of a startup. It's something you do much later on so brilliant um so got here your admissions process what percentage of applicants to be a go tutor make it to become one of your tutors 
Yeah, it, uh, so it's actually a quite a, a strict process. So we accept uh, like around 5%, if I remember well, actually, oh, of really? people wow. who apply to be a tutor. So the first step is that they have to, to fill in actually like a, a recruitment form with the CV and information about them. But also the most important is that they need to pass a test for the subject that they want to teach and they need to have an accept uh, rate of 80%. Uh, based on that, we actually look at the test plus the CV, and then we invite them to a group interview. During the group interview, we're going to assess more the uh, pedagogical skills, so the empathy, how they will actually behave in front of the students, the level of maturity, and so on. And if they pass this group interview, then we have an onboarding process. We are going to explain them uh, all the tools that we have, how it is to actually teach the go student way, what we care about, what is what are our values, our mission, and so on. And then because we also very close to our uh, students and parents, we recent, we receive feedback on a regular basis. And if we receive negative feedback from a tutor, uh, either from a more like a behavior uh, perspective or from a, a subject, a very like hard skill perspective, we can contact the tutors, understand the problem, uh, see if he needs training or not, or in some cases, uh, also let him go if we don't believe that uh, it, it is good for the company and for our, our students. And and. In terms of online tutoring out there, is there a sort of set rate in terms of pay for tutors or how do you rate in terms of that market as well? So um, we try to really have like a fair pay. So every market, of course, have a different uh, actually uh, pay per hour. We also try to really like uh, um, incentivize our long term uh, tutors. So the more hours you have done with us, uh, also the higher pay you get. There is also a bit of a kind of a bonus, more like uh, how happy the customer is also. Uh, so, yeah, it's a it's a really a fair a pay. We work mainly with university students in certain markets in other also with certified teachers. Uh, but I would say that, yeah, this uh, this is always uh, things that we are questioning. But of course, what we do believe is that to attract the best teachers, we also need to have a, a pay that is attractive and fair uh, for them. And then yeah, I was um, looking at your website earlier and, yeah, I was interested to know after such significant investment, what's next for Go Students? So love to hear, you know, when you think about that question, what's your focus in the next 12 months? Yeah. So last year was all about, you know, showing also to to us, to our investors, to, to the world right there that what we had built in the dark region was actually a business model that could be easily duplicated across the world. So across Europe, North America and Latin America, and that the need was for tutoring was actually very similar across market. And that's why we've entered like more than 15 markets within a year to, and that was quite easy to duplicate. Uh, the processes were very simple. The need for tutoring was there and so on. But now what we see, of course, is that we start looking at the, the differences between all of those markets from a marketing perspective. Uh, for example, as I was saying earlier, the, the, the typical parent who's looking for tutor, tutoring in Germany might be more because, you know, the kid has difficulties in mathematics and they're a bit more ashamed of it. They don't want to ask their friends around if they know a tutor or whatever. They will go online, more on the shadow market, looking for a tutor who can come to their kid's place. Or then we have other markets more like in Greece for example, or in Poland, where the need for tutoring happens a lot at the beginning of the year. So it doesn't depend on the test result. It's more back to school. I need to look for a tutor to accompany my kids 
across mm-hmm. the entire school year. Yeah. Uh, or we also have markets like in Turkey, where it's much more about uh, what we call the high flyers parents, the ambitious parents who want to ensure that the kids actually are competitive enough to enter university. Because in Turkey, there is not a seat for every student who wants to go to university. And therefore, it's not so much linked to solving a problem, but more to maximizing the chance of the student to get actually a higher education. So from a marketing perspective, that also means that we need to adapt actually our messaging uh, and a bit also our product, our offering to attract the the right segment of the market. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's also, of course, in terms of all operational costs, so trying to understand um, how can we actually be a sustainable uh, sustainable business in every market, understanding the differences of each uh, to make it actually work in the long run. Really, really interesting. And just, I was just, when you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, I guess you've got the subject matter stuff and then you've got the cross-cutting sort of soft skills side of things. And then I was also uh, interested to know if you would do more kind of workplace once you've, once you've conquered the whole K-12 and then higher education space, is that is that like a natural trajectory in terms of being able to scale what you're doing into different segments? Definitely. So that's something for us. We want to also stay very open. So that's why we are we are building a global school, but we we don't want to focus only on the kids. Uh, so right now, that is our that's where we saw the main uh, gap in the market. That was the tutoring for kids. Uh, there are some markets more like in Latin America, for example, where the main uh, the main challenge is more on the language side, learning English, and that's also for adults actually. Uh, so adults can definitely be something that we want to go to. University students is a bit more challenging because teaching, for example, mathematics to someone who study uh, economics is much harder to actually find a tutor. Uh, So that's why right now in terms of scalability, uh, focusing on elementary and secondary school was actually uh, much easier uh, to, to start the business. But definitely, we do believe that learning is a, a lifelong, uh, and uh, why not? Why not stopping? There is no reason to just stop at the student side. But focus is first. Uh, we need to crack yeah. our business, make it sustainable, and then we can actually expand. Right. This one will be of interest to people listening. So, go students. Three strategic pillars: international expansion, product expansion through mergers and acquisitions, as well as market share growth in existing regions. So. Um, obvious question, which type of companies are appealing to GoStudent in terms of mergers and acquisitions? Yeah. So one acquisition that we have made is uh, Tus Media. It's a company actually in Spain who have built uh, marketplaces uh, across Spain, Italy, France, and also Latin America. They actually stop uh, at, uh, so they are not a managed marketplace as we are. So everyone can actually post an advertisement uh, on their platform and the contact is directly between the student and the tutor. And for us, it's actually a good way to actually uh, also like reach a bigger part of the market to kind of collaborate with those kind of companies uh, and offering maybe also two different solutions. So on the one hand, the solution uh, from the marketplace where there is no uh, filter. So there they don't actually, you know, do exams for the tutor. So everyone can actually post a job advertisement there. So there is no certification of quality of the tutoring. Or then you go with those students where it's actually a more of a long-term approach where uh, you actually um, uh, commit to a membership. But at the same time, you are ensured that the quality of the tutor is there, that you have an, uh, someone who is like uh, supporting you across the journey if you need an additional subject or if you're unhappy with the tutor and so on. 
So that's actually one way. Um, the second way is around the product. So we have also acquired Cynica Learning, uh, a company in the UK, who actually builds uh, an algorithm and content for students and teachers. So on the one end, enabling the teacher to give additional homework uh, after school. Uh, this is actually a, a web application that is very entertaining, where the kid can actually play around and get questions to be answered. Uh, that can be geography, uh, French, mathematics, and so on. So on the one hand, the, the teacher can give that to his students and uh, the majority, almost all the schools actually in the UK are working uh, with Seneca. Uh, and then we also have, uh, on the, the other hand, the parents or the student who can subscribe to a premium solution to also have access to additional content. But this is also a tool that is free. Uh, so it's really, that's what we call a freemium. Uh, and also that enables us to go with that tool to countries where the purchasing power is a bit more limited. So for example, mm -hmm. in Latin America and enabling diff and offering different solution, more the premium side of those students with one-on-one -on -one online tutoring or the self-learning uh, application with Seneca. Really interesting. Okay. And so it's, it, it, it feels like, so that's sort of helping bring people into the GoStudent sort of uh, ecosystem as well. And, and, and yeah, okay. Um, da, 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 da. So with, with the investment rounds, did you get involved in that process? Yes, yeah, yeah. So since I would say, like, yeah, since I joined, I was part of the the, the rounds because investors also at the beginning uh, they care a lot about the team. Uh, yeah. So the product and of course the business model makes sense, but what they want to know is who are actually the the key leaders in the company uh, and are they also the right people to move the company to the next level? And and do you have any tips to convey to people from? you know, probably like the best pitch you ever did and like the one that you were like, oh, that, you know, I wish I could go back and do that again. So I think for us, we've been always very transparent with our investors, uh, the new one and the existing one, um, uh, the, 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 the potential one and the existing one, let's say. Uh, so in order to build trust, you need to show them what you have, right? And showing them data and so on. And you need to feel comfortable that, yes, not everything is perfect. Yes, you don't have the best profitability yet. Yes, you don't have everything. But here are what we have. And this is what you can make, the learnings you can make from it. And actually, our first invest, uh, investors that were left lane capital actually really helped us a lot also to move from Series A to Series C, uh, Series B, because they really helped us to move the next level in terms of finance, the way we were reporting our data and so on and you can only get that if you give them access to everything so they can really deep dive and understand what you are showing them question things uh, it's often uncomfortable discussions right uh, what do you put in your CAC what do you how do you calculate your LTV and so on but at the same time it's the good for the business so for me I would really say try to see your investors as partners uh, that they can challenge you they have seen a lot of things from other companies and they can help you the second thing um, was also like uh, how you build also a relationship with those investors so sometimes investors were telling us that it was too early for example or they needed to see you know like better numbers or better growth and so on. And Felix, uh, so is one of the, the founders and was also mainly actually managing the relationship with those investors, was also always making sure that he was keeping them up to date, uh, showing them on a regular basis the progress of the company, uh, sometimes you know going for a drink with them and so on to really keep this relationship. So I think investment actually is a very relationship-driven uh, actually industry. And uh, yeah, this is important to, to maintain that. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, if anyone is recruiting for a head of growth or chief growth officer, what should they be looking for? 
a very, very good question because also a question that I always receive is what is a chief of growth? Because depending on the companies, this is actually a different title. Um, for me, I got hired as a head of sales and marketing uh, back in the days because the main piece of growth at that time was to build what we call the customer acquisition machine. Then the next phase of growth was actually expansion. Now our next phase of growth is ensuring localization in terms of marketing also in every market. So um, I think I would say like for me, uh, I think also the, the reason I was hired at the time was my skills for sales and marketing because growth at the end of the day, that's coming also mainly from that, but also because I was very hands-on uh, and growth. I mean, I say my job changed so often that you need to have a profile of a person who is very open-minded, open to change, uh, always looking for what's next. Uh, and someone who is at the end of the day, very complimentary to the founders. And I do not believe that actually... Um, you should have a head of growth. If you have a head of growth, then it's someone maybe on the marketing side who report to the CMO who is looking at small initiatives, uh, what's next, what are the new channels that we could test and so on. But if you want to be really serious and really think always uh, a step ahead in your company and, and push kind of very um, big projects, uh, being in the C-level enables that you are on the one and very close to the founders, uh, very close to the entire company strategy and so on. And on the other hand, that you can actually play, um, you can actually uh, work with the entire company. So as a, if you are head of growth, it's actually more complex to get your VP sales or your VP customer success on board. Uh, that of course, if you are part of the, the more executive team, you can really gather all those resources together because uh, one of the success actually of our international, international expansion we didn't build a team. We actually took resources from all the existing team that were dedicated to expansion. So they would still report to the sales department, the customer success department, and so on. But they were dedicated to international expansion. And I was working with them uh, on driving actually our uh, yeah, entering new markets. And, and, and your own sort of leadership, do you have like external coaches or mentors or how has that, is that just sort of grown by doing it or yeah? So I think it depends on the profile of everyone. I'm more someone who is like hands-on and, you know, having a problem and trying your, your way around to solve it. But I've learned also a lot by, first of all, interviewing people. So, for example, when I was interviewing for the country managers or like the marketing team and so on, to try to understand how they do their job, how their team is structured, what are the challenges that they are facing with the current structure and so on. So that was a very big source of learning for me. Mm -hmm. Then the second is hiring people who actually know more than you. So I've always hired people who are complementary to me from a skill perspective. Uh, I didn't know what was their job about. And I was telling them, I know there is this problem. We need to solve it you've done it in the past please join go student to do it uh, so that was a second learning third learning it was also working with the uh, so we have an advisory board uh, of people who've been working in startups who are, who are still working in startups with we could contact you know like and it's a lot of the main topics are often about organization so yeah. How do you ensure the collaboration between two departments or how do you structure the org and so on? Uh, and sometimes ideas coming from, you know, marketing and so on. But th these are often very specific to your business. So everyone knows that you need to test referrals and, you know, like performance marketing and TV and so on. Those channels at the end of the day, they are limited, but it's how you're going to make it happen uh, and more on the execution side and really understanding your business that will make the difference. Amazing. Amazing. I'm sucking this all in. <laughs> uh, 
Well, this is quite interesting because I did, I ran a workshop recently about assessments and people wanting to move towards more perhaps authentic assessment techniques. So I've put, um, as part of your online experience, do you ever have any problems with either engagement or cheating? So those were two things that came out as sort of existential threats or worries that people in that world were concerned about. Um, So I suppose that relates to, you know, people being online are they engaged? What are your what are the engagement metrics, and how can you? I don't know if you do any where you do any sort of um, prep tests. Whether there's any, you know, people try to shortcut that or not. It may be that because you're one step forward, the incentive is not great enough to do it. But so on the engagement side, uh, so yes, we we definitely did test actually to also understand how engaged is the student because that was actually the one of the main concern of the parent. It's like it was saying, no, the teacher needs to sit next to my kid. My kid uh, is lacking kind of discipline and so on. But what we've proven is that when the kid is immersed in his computer with his headphone, there is no distraction at all. And the more uh, the teacher lets the kid speak, of course, the more like engage and focus it will be so that's why when we did actually this emotional intelligence test too we uh we realized that for example languages is one of the topic where the kid is the most engaged mm. versus for example maybe mathematics where it's a bit more complex because the the tutor is maybe more explaining but that's also what we are always teaching also our teachers is that how the engagement how it is important to ask questions and make sure that the kid understood repeats certain things and so on and then on the cheating part so of course we are not bulletproof so like there are some tutors who might try to cheat the, the exam or so but at the end of the day it always go back to you because uh, we will always receive the feedback from the parent if or we will see the, in the statistics that maybe the kid did not evolve uh, fast enough and so on so they can maybe cheat and my, we might not see it right away but we'll also see it uh, afterwards so yeah, yeah I yeah. would in any case not advise anyone to do it because we want teachers who are passionate about what they are doing. And if they are cheating, that means that they're actually not probably the right fit uh, for us mm-hmm. and fit it directly. Yes, in any system anyway. But yeah, that's a good point. So I've got two more questions. Or uh, Now, I've actually done that one. So, um, well, to wrap up then. So um, you're obviously full steam at the moment, fully, you know, fully immersed. So how do you kind of chill out outside of go student what does the rest of your world look like so one of the fantastic thing about vienna and austria in general is the nature so from vienna you take one hour drive and you're in the mountain and you can go to 2000 altitude hike uh, so that's for me that's actually one way of uh, relaxing uh, being with fresh air, fresh air we are the entire day you know in front of our mobile or our laptop in zoom calls because we are such an international company that Actually, little happens in the office, but much more uh, over the computer. So, yeah, going hiking, walking around is something for me very important. Dancing, too. Um, so I used to be actually quite an intense dancer uh, back in the days. Now it goes more for clubbing rather than the actual sport, but uh, it's what still a good way to, to get the steam off. <laughs> what, what kind of dancing did you specialize in? did everything a bit of classical a bit of modern a bit of hip-hop a bit of funky a bit of uh, mm-hmm. modern jazz uh, so it was just for me a good way to express my emotion uh, it's uh, I never liked too much when I had to remember by heart the choreography uh, it's more about like yeah, hearing the music and um, moving uh, moving around it fantastic amazing and so one question we always ask everyone all of our guests is 
any books, projects, people, things that have really inspired you that you would love to share with our listeners that you perhaps go back to or think, yeah, that that's a really, really excellent, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe two two books that I could share here. So I think there are many that are inspiring, but uh, two that I would like to share on the one hand is the Strength Finder uh, from Gallup. It's actually more an assessment book. So it's based uh, on the kind of an, a test that you can make to understand what are your strengths or the strength of your team. And for me, it has been very helpful at the beginning to also help me to understand what are my strengths because you read a lot you you know when you look at um, at a, um, a job description they all tell you that you need to be strategic or hands-on or whatever and then the question is what are you really um, and I think that's actually very useful and then to understand also in your team if you have actually a complementarity of skill and who in your team is actually the right person for a certain task and sometimes I mean when we're in a company like ours growing so fast we don't spend enough time with our team so we don't have enough time sometimes to really understand the strength of each other and having that tool enabled to to map a bit more people and see what we are missing and also sometimes for ourselves uh, we are sometimes so busy uh, with the daily task we we kind of lose focus and we always sometimes need to kind of look inside again and understand okay how what are my strengths and what can I capitalize on and also which is very great in that book is I do believe that every strength is actually linked to a weakness. Um, and when you are a very passionate person and very uh, strong with certain aspects uh, of your personality, you're also very strong on other aspects when you are stressed. And that's always kind of the opposite of your strength. And I think it's also very important to understand those. So to be aware of it. So when you are a bit overstressed and so on, to be careful with those. Mm. That's the first book. And the second book that also learned, I also read a few years ago was uh, You Are a Brand, uh, which I think is also a very interesting way of um, of uh, positioning oneself uh, for your career and uh, yeah, in the company and so on to define if yourself were a brand, how would you actually market it? What are your values? Uh, what is your mission? Uh, how do you look? How do you talk? Uh, what is the perception of the others uh, about you? And is this perception uh, like aligned with actually what you want to do and what you want to show? And uh, it's actually a very interesting book uh, to read that I really advise. Fantastic. Well, so thank you so much because there's two two great recommendations there and you've given us like nearly an hour of your time. So super appreciate that. And um, yeah, can't wait to get this out for our listeners, Laura. So thank you again. Thank you a lot, Sophie. <laughs> I wish you a good day. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you so much again to Laura for being such a great guest and to Learnosity for sponsoring this week's episode. Whatever you're up to, enjoying the last bits of your summer holidays, preparing to go back to school or finessing the last bits on your latest sprint of work, enjoy and goodbye. Goodbye.